Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast, a podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Till Luca. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. Practitioner. Whitney Lowe here, and Books of Discovery has been a part of massage therapy education for over 20 years. Thousands of schools around the world teach with their textbooks and digital resources. In these trying times, this beloved publisher is dedicated to helping educators with online-friendly digital resources that make instruction easier and more effective in the classroom or virtually. And hi, this is Till. Books of Discovery likes to say, learning adventures start here. They see that same spirit here on the Thinking Practitioner podcast, and they're proud to support our work knowing we share the mission to bring massage and bodywork community enlivening content that advances our profession. Check out their collection of e-textbooks and digital learning resources for pathology, kinesiology, anatomy, and physiology at booksofdiscovery.com, where thinking practitioner listeners can save 15% by entering thinking at checkout. Well, hey, Whitney. Good afternoon, sir. How are you today? I am pretty good, all things considered. Actually, I am really good and really chaotic. That's right. Are you sleeping these days? Because you have a new puppy. We have a new puppy. Yeah. And he's, no, he sleeps through the night fine. It just, Uh uh, it means uh, my schedule is no longer my own. That's right. I am now beholden to the needs of another. That's right. Gladly and and blissfully, but it's a big adjustment. Uh, How about you? How are you doing? Doing good. Um, I feel old today. I turned 60 yesterday. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, waking up with creaky back and, you know, those things coming with coming with age and everything. But no, it's coming into the holidays. Life's good and, and things, are, things are good here out in, in Central Oregon. Well, uh, we got Diane with us today. And I don't know about oh. Diane. Yeah. But I only got one thing to say about that. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Whitney. Happy birthday to you. Right. And you all and many more. And remember who edits this podcast, right? So I can cut that stuff out. Can you put like a little, uh, what do they call that? A little distortion on our voice? Yeah. <laughs> sound like chipmunks or something. Right. Certainly. Yeah. So well, I just want to, I have to add that there's no way, Jose, I would have ever imagined that you were 60. I was thinking maybe like 45. Yeah. So, you know, back in this is kind of funny story. I've told this before, back in the early days of my career, um, I grew a mustache and a goatee because I was trying to look older because um, I've always looked like I was just a little kid. Um, so now when I'm, I'm old, I look like I'm 40 or so. So that's all right. Yeah, it works, works out. Congratulations, my friend. Happy Welcome. birthday. Yeah, I'm glad you were born. Glad you were born. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Very cool. Well, that's, that's great to celebrate with you. I'm glad to be here with you. And I'm glad to be with Diane. Diane really? Bukowski, the yeah. massage mentor. So excited to be here with the both of you. Diane is uh, featured on the front of this month's Mag Massage Magazine cover as well. So we're lucky to have the star with us this oh afternoon. Oh boy! Yeah, oh boy. To our appointment before that happened. Otherwise, I don't know if we'd get her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh gosh! Thank you, thank you. Congratulations on that. That's cool. Very exciting. I'm very excited. Well, you've really done a lot to. Uh, bring people's awareness into the things you do, which have been the Brown mentoring, like your Institute's name says, by getting better 
about people really taking this work seriously and in a not so serious way, getting really good at it. So you've really been uh, a rising star and a shooting star in that respect. So it's well-deserved to be on that cover and uh, really pleased to be here with you and to be talking about this subject today, which is this idea you had of the inside success as an inside job uh, online. Would you call it a group or training? I call it a training. I would call it a personal growth opportunity. How often do you get to spend hours of time with Whitney Lowe, Till Lucha, Benny Vaughn, Cal Cates, Ann Williams, Eric Brown, and then have the hostesses with the mostesses, Rebel me. Massage, and <laughs> aka and me, the right. massage mentor. So for yeah. me, it's just a great opportunity to spend some more intimate time with teachers who I admire. And uh, really, again, this is another selfish act on my part. I enjoy hanging out with you all so much and have learned so much from you. I, I feel selfish just keeping that to myself. <laughs> well, I was excited when you had the idea. And I'm actually really looking forward to talking to you to, and Whitney today just about this idea of success and what that means. And especially this interesting subtitle you gave it, Inside Job. What's that mean that success is an inside job? And uh, it's going to be a good conversation. And then we'll, we'll finish up with a little information too about the training and how people can jump into that if they want. All right. So I think I'll ask the first question if that's okay. I, Whitney and Diane, either one of you, what do you mean by success? What is success in this context? I, I feel like for me, success has been a, a lot of things through my lifetime. When I, was, when I was 23, I bought my first property. And I thought after I bought my property that that meant I was successful. <laughs> you know, well, the first time I had like five digits in the bank, you know, and my, my balance reached the tens of thousands, I was like, I am successful. You, know, you weren't then, counting the cents when you did the five digits. <laughs> you know, I, I was, there's been so many different points in my life where I thought that material things or things that I did, or even, you know, to date being on the cover of Massage Magazine, I thought that those things would make me successful or feel successful. But I have found that, you know, those things aren't what help me feel or believe that I am successful. And also, getting to those places, the journey to those things, everything that I've accomplished was an inside job for me. There was some big shift inside of me. There was some lesson that I learned. There was something that uh, about life that maybe I took more seriously. Maybe uh, I just, again, that personal development piece, I wanted to be a better person, I guess you could say, or I wanted to exude more Diane Mikowski-ness. You know, I wanted to to just be more comfortable in my own skin. So it almost seemed like in a weird way that some of those successes were rewards after some hard work, some inside work that I had been doing through the years. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you've hit on some really important points about that. You know, there's a lot of similarity, I think, between uh, us talking about success and some of the other things that, that are big and prominent topics in popular media. You know, there's all this focus on, um, you know, things like uh, body image and the way in which um, the media conveys you need to look a certain way or you need to be a certain way. And that's true, I think, a great deal 
for this concept and idea of success is that the measurement is often around dollar signs uh, without regard for a lot of the other things that are important indicators of very significant accomplishments for people. I mean, you know, just take one client who has had some, you know, very severe, challenging and debilitating problems that they've dealt with and they come to see you and you help them resolve some of those things to a certain degree or completely, you have changed their life dramatically. And regardless of Mm -hmm. the exchange of money around that, uh, and probably one client is not going to make you rich, but you have changed that person's life in a tremendous way. Um, And that is a very successful endeavor, um, an accomplishment for what you've done. And then you do that over and over and over again in the treatment room uh, with a lot of different people. You know, that's something that I think is really valuable for us to all kind of step back away from this a monetary measure of success and look at what are we actually doing uh, day in and day out and how are we making an impact on the world? Can I give you a, a little tiny glimmer into one of the activities we'll be doing in the workshop? Yeah. I'm going to do a little a slow release. <laughs> so yeah. one of the things is that I brought in a PhD who's a trauma specialist. He is a doctor. He is He does workshops for therapists around the world, hundreds and hundreds of therapists. He's this incredible man. One of the things he said to me, and this got me thinking along the lines of what you're saying, Whitney, he said, I want you to be a client. I want you to be someone who just got a massage from you and stand behind yourself and describe how it felt to yourself, meaning like really describe how it would feel to get a massage from you to you. Like I I never really took a minute to think about when a person leaves my office after everything I've just done, how magnificent they just felt, you know, and it's those little things that are that success. When people are leaving your office, you're changing the world one body at a time. And it's those moments that I think, too, are just those building blocks to to feeling like a successful human being, you know? Yeah. Sounds like a great experiment. And that's, we we should uh, mention his name. Is that, you said it's Dr. Scott? Scott. I call him Dr. Scott. His last name's very long. So I call him Dr. Scott. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of Dr. Scott there, helping us take in the good that we do for other people. You described that Diane is a feeling that you got that feeling of success, and you you know you had different milestones, but it really produced a feeling. Whitney, you said let's think about it beyond or beside or instead of monetary goals, and it's it got me thinking. And in fact, Whitney, that you had a birthday yesterday just got me thinking that my own definition of success has really changed from the time I was say 30 to now where I'm double that I'm also 60. So at 30, I was just trying to remember back into that time. I think it was monetary. I think I was really challenged with the idea. Can I make a living at this stuff? Mm -hmm. Can I provide for my needs and do the stuff I love and still have it support me? And, and will I have enough time in my week to have a life of, you know, all those questions, you know, how efficient can I be? How much uh, passion can I give this or how much hard work does there have to be? And so at that time, I think it really was success for me, like really getting my financial needs handled. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe there's that I'm, I'm, re- I'm right where both of you are now, where it is a feeling, it's not an external measure anymore. And it really is non-monetary. 
but maybe that's some of that's age and stage too. That once we have the privilege of not having to worry about money quite so much, once we get our skills where we can really believe in what we do and really know that we're doing good for clients, then we can step back a little bit and say, how can I really, really enjoy this work even more? And what really gives me that sense of satisfaction and fulfillment and meaning? As you say that, that makes me bounce back to my early 20s when I was doing massage and some of my ideas of, yeah. of what people with money were like. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll, I'll make myself vulnerable and tell you. Mm-hmm. I was like a bunch of stuck up, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like I had all these ideas about money, what money was, what people with money were like categories, judgments, criticisms, and then being in the massage industry has really retrained my mind on money. I see a money now as just energy. It's something that I can't hold all my money in my hands. I can't do something with all my money all at once. Not that I have a gazillion dollars, but so I just remember these, these men and women coming in who were millionaires. Some of them were millionaires and they pulled up in their Levi jeans and their sneakers and they cared about me so much. They cared about my success. They cared about how professional I was and they admired me for my work. They were some of the greatest people and they didn't get that money. A lot of them, some people probably do. There's gotta be some, there's some in every crowd, but a lot of the people that I know with money, solid is energy and made it happen. Um, And so for me, I massage the gift of this business has actually untangled the web of my judgments and criticisms or thoughts on money and opened them up to something even bigger. It's an interesting, it's been a road like that for me too. And I think a lot about class and socioeconomic uh, differences and really growing up for me, growing up middle-class, my parents were teachers and artists and things like that. Uh, to go work with people who were, like you said, millionaires, billionaires. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say their names because that would be breaking confidentiality. People in the entertainment industry, it was just a whole different world for me as a 30 year old, whatever I was at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, this is a whole different scene. So it really challenged me to make friends with my own, like you said, judgments about money and to see and to start to untangle. Okay, so who do I see that's really living their money? well, who's really, you know, uh, has a life that is satisfying to them and feels good about the impact they're making on the world. And who, which was quite a number of those people were not particularly happy nor feeling good about the impact they're having. So it was a great uh, spectrum of examples, having worked in Aspen, worked in uh, California, places where I just was ending up with all sorts of different people. It really did stretch my own ideas about what it meant to have money or, you know, around that kind of power, like you say. It's almost like there's a, a corresponding, you know, kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs. You know, there's almost sort of a, yeah. a corresponding hierarchy of, of recognition of what, what that actually means as, as we get down to it. Uh, but, you know, there's, there is something I think so insidious in our culture in particular about the acquisition and trying to always get more. And that there's a, somebody said this one time, I thought this was a great quote about you've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul trailer behind it. You know, you're not taking that with you. Um, and there's a, a certain point at which you just have to recognize what am I sacrificing uh, in the pursuit of all this um, that's going to make my life really enriching. And I think, you know, when you can get to that point and look back and say, you know, 
there's a place at which enough is enough or something is really satisfying for me and I'm happy and content without having yeah. to feel like I'm pushing. That's that's a really important place to get to. And I think that's mm-hmm. also a really, I mean, just to be practical, that's a valuable place for people in our profession to get to because th- to be honest, most people are not going to get ultra wealthy doing massage. I mean, mm-hmm. you can make a nice, comfortable living and make make good money, but you're probably not going to get ultra wealthy doing massage. It's a, but the thing is you, I feel like I am wealthy in that I have a lifestyle that none of my friends have, Mm -hmm. meaning I had to learn how to eat. I had to learn how to rest. I had to learn how to see the similarities with people, not the differences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's pushed me on so many different levels that I feel soul rich. You know, uh, I think that I felt soul rich uh, my first couple of years in the business. My first year doing massage, I made eighteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars and I felt better than I'd ever felt in my life yeah. <laughs> because I wasn't in an office. I wasn't sitting at a computer. And the best thing was no one was timing how long I was going to the restroom. Oh, nice. You know, when you work yeah. in an office, it's like a whole it's a whole different world. Yeah. I think I, I'm definitely on that place with you. And I've, you know, when I use the term wealthy, I've always tried to kind of make a distinction, at least for myself, about the difference between being rich and being wealthy, um, because I consider myself to be very rich, um, even though I'm not wealthy. And, and rich encompasses, to me, all those things that you're talking about, those things about lifestyle in terms of, you know, what it allowed, what this life and profession have allowed me to be able to do personally and professionally. Um, and wealth is really a lot more to me about like how much money is coming in. And those two things are related, but they're not the same. Mm-hmm. Well, we, over time, I think it's, I'm certainly there, but it's natural just to start asking ourselves what really matters. Mm-hmm. And like you said, maybe there's a hierarchy of needs. Once I check off some of the boxes and know that I'm going to have a place to live and pay my bills, then I can really start asking what makes my set, what makes me happy. And then what makes other people happy. And it uh, unfolds from there. But I, yeah, my definition has changed so much. So it really is just about enjoying what I do for myself and feeling like I'm making a difference for people. It's that simple. Do I enjoy what I do and do I make a difference for people? Yeah. That's, that's what I'm after now. And that's, uh, like I said, that's changed over time. Uh, what's What's really helped you get where you are, each of you? What's been crucial to you finding what you wanted and including challenges, but also assets or resources along the way that helped you get where you are? Uh, A million times over is listening. Uh, Then for me, I have done every mistake possible. I I feel like I've made so many mistakes. I've made more mistakes than I even know what to do with sometimes. I've done so many things to embarrass myself. <laughs> you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. And then I just would wipe the dirt and I'd get back up and I'd try again. And uh, I would not try again the same way because insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I would just adjust myself. Each time I'd adjust myself a little bit more. And I found that excitement was good. Uh, competition was interesting. All that, those high energy feelings were, were cool, but really what I'm finding uh, with more time with, with Till and Whitney is that peace is really nice. Just being peaceful, Mm -hmm. like finding a nice, peaceful, quiet life (laughs) is really for me, 
you know, so I, you know, going through a lot of different emotions, a lot of different things, a lot of different everything to realize what really feels best for me is a sense of peace. Yeah. 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 One of the things I think for me that has been so um, impactful and beneficial, and this is probably, you know, also to a large degree because of my um, both um, emphasis and, and sort of uh, identification is, is what I mean. They, my identification uh-huh. as an educator is the sense of being able to help people. Um, and that is worth so much more than money. So many times, you know, being in a classroom and, and, you know, trying to explain a concept to people is like, Oh, I never got this. You know, I was taught this in school and I never got, now I get it. Now I see and recognizing how far that goes yeah. in terms of the ability of somebody to take that out and now go, you know, work with it in the treatment room, do things and help people, um, to me, that has been a, a big, big factor is the, is the sense uh, and continuing to get that sense from people of, of I was able to help them. That was a real, uh, real key factor that continued to drive my sense of, of having, you know, made some significant success uh, inroads for myself. And what I about was, you, Till? Well, that's a big one for me too. I'm just yeah. thinking of the transition that I gradually went through from being really worried about paying my bills to kind of getting it that maybe I was going to be okay and really focusing on uh, what I want to be doing, which was helping people. Mm-hmm. And there was this idea of service marketing that came in then maybe this is the nineties or something, early two thousands, where the idea was that we just, we want to do our work and it doesn't actually help to make it a quid pro quo to have, to have like, a dollar for every minute or whatever we do. That makes it, that's a really awkward model. Sometimes we got to do that, obviously, in a session, for example. But in the situation I was in, the, I asked myself the question, what if I just help? What if I just put stuff out there? What if I make it free? What if I just, any call I get is an opportunity to connect with somebody and give yes. them something of value, even if they're not on the clock or whatever. And just to trust that that was going to not only help me with my feeling of contributing, but also build that sense of mutuality that'll end up supporting us all, those kind of connections that happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a big turning point for me to realize uh, I don't have to meet her every minute, really. And it's, you know, it's, it's a little, it's more complicated, of course, in a private practice, because I got to just say, anybody that's called our like customer service line knows that we probably really try and, and really not perfect. Like we can't help everybody with everything, even on that customer service level, the same is true in a session too. So it's like finding out one, how, what the limits of my ability to help are and how to be graceful around that, or even be helpful when I can't give people what they want. Yeah. But then but then also how to um, really help people feel enriched by the interaction, even when I don't know what to do for them, really to give them some something to take away, even if it's uh, some information or some hope or just some companionship. And, and as you guys are both talking, it's such a, I mean, success in our industry and this inside job is such a loaded, it's a, such a loaded topic. There's yeah. so many different levels to it as Whitney's kind of talking about the ripple effect that we have on the the community. And you're talking about kind of dissecting and getting down to, you know, maybe if I just do what feels good for me and do the next right thing, you know, things will change. I'm having this great effect on the world. And that's, that's really important to me. So I really am very excited about the fact that, you know, you know, we're talking about, we're literally right. I feel like talking about the inside job to success. 
Yeah, we are. And, <laughs> you know, you're making me think one of the presenters in that is Ann Williams. And it was her, for goodness sake, almost 10 years ago that came to me. We we're on a hike. I remember she said, Till, how about a class on the psychology of success for ABMP? At that time, she was the education director for ABMP. How about a class on the psychology of a full practice? We started to flesh this out. And it was a really great conversation about what success means. Is it a full practice? Is it quantitative? Or is it qualitative question? Is it a feeling or an experience? And I ended up really diving in to this project and ABMP sponsored me and the World Massage Conference got behind it and Body Cushion, a bunch of people sponsored this project I went on, ended up designing a, a fairly elaborate questionnaire and poll that was designed to help correlate people's attitudes toward their work with their level of quote success. And to, for that project, uh, what I did, the question, you know, that first question was, what is success? How are we going to measure that? Really, my measure was uh, that we came to after those discussions was how satisfied are you with the size of your practice and the nature of your practice? How many people you're working with and who you're working with and what you're doing with them? Are you satisfied with that? That was who, it for that poll. And just on that little note, who you're yeah. working with. Who you're yes, working with. So many right. therapists are like, I can't not work with that person because they're money. No, 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 no. You know, you do get to decide, you know, all these little intricate details of a practice, you know, we can really get into that together uh, through this, you know, this process with this uh, workshop, this event, but you know, even that little detail. Like you said, do I enjoying the people that I'm working with? I yeah. cannot tell you how many practitioners I talk to that are not. Yeah. And and your client feels that, you feel that, and it's it's a thing. It's a real thing out there, guys. It's yep. a real thing. <laughs> the question of who do you work with, and then uh, how to how to shape that, how to have some influence over who you work with. But then the inside part of that, I suppose, is like, uh, okay, so I don't like working with somebody. What can I do about that? Is it about just not working with them, or is it about learning something on my side? Yeah. There was, I remember there was a, we'll just dive in there for a second, if you don't mind. Sure. There was a client that came in the first time he came in, he had like a duffel bag. I'm like, why does he have a duffel bag? And he was, you know, real quiet and seemed a little grumpy. And I, yeah. you know, my first, my first, my first feeling on him was like, huh, you know, we didn't like go to the, we didn't like go dancing off into the fields. The session wasn't mind blowing afterwards. That man came to see me every week. From 19, you know, we had, he, he, he wanted a wellness massage. He saw it like putting gas in his car and he came to me for years and years and years. I had to adjust the way I saw him. And then when I adjusted the way that I saw him, he came to me, he, he since passed, but he came to me literally almost until he, he, his dying day. So, you know, sometimes those first, those first feelings could be, could be you. Some, yeah, sometimes. Something going on with you. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. I'm just thinking about how I think not everyone, but so many of my clients, I just found a place of love for them. I still do. I just love my clients. And what an amazing profession that we can do that, that we can be with someone who we might not otherwise have these feelings about and find that place of just really appreciating who they are and even loving who they are. What is what a Amazing and you thing. both grow so much through that process as well. I mean, they're, yeah. I'm sure, influenced tremendously by the persona of what you bring to that 
therapeutic relationship. So um, it's a growth process on both fronts, I think. Yeah, right. And that's well, part of the inside job, right? There. It is. Well, I didn't have love in my questionnaire. I want to tell you guys what I found out from that questionnaire. <laughs> but love wasn't one of those attitudes, but that, I'm just thinking it should have been. But it was things like that. I just, I did a big brainstorm. I talked to, I didn't talk to you, Whitney, but I talked to maybe a dozen kind of industry leaders on this question of success, including some of the ones that are making it back for your inside job, Diane. And they gave me their ideas of what success was. And then I went and tested them. Then I went and designed this poll, this questionnaire to see, okay, if someone's doing this, are they really satisfied with their practice? And uh, actually got the numbers to kind of correlate which of these things really seem to make a difference for people. So I came up with like a list of top beliefs that people had who were really successful in this way. And a list of kind of bottom beliefs that people had who really didn't feel successful at all. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Maybe you'll share that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm thinking I'm going to give you one or two, and I would like if you wouldn't mind playing this game game with me. If you would <laughs> guess, if you would guess, it's a, if it's a top or bottom belief. Oh, you you get the yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So this is what I just to, to reveal what I did is I brainstormed industry experts about different beliefs about success, and then I went and polled people about how quote successful they were in their own definition of that, and says okay, so the people that really have this belief are they really successful? And some yeah, and some were really at the bottom. All right, so I'm going to give you an easy one to start with. Uh, you're going to tell me is this correlated with people that are really success, quote successful in their own eyes or really not successful. They believe I am often critical of myself or my abilities. I believe that that should go to Whitney first. <laughs> no, I, can, softball. I can see it being both of those things, but I'm going to yeah. say that that's uh, people who are not viewing themselves as successful. Yeah. I really can see it happening with both of those groups. Absolutely. There's, mm -hmm. there's the desire to get better, which would think you, make you think, yeah, let me get really good. But no, that just has phrased at least in this uh, 2,500 people that answered the question, that was one of the strongest beliefs, quote, correlated with not being satisfied with your practice size or your practice quality. Often and I would think that one of the reasons that that might be the case is probably both those groups do that. But one of those groups lets it get to them and yes. the other uses it as fuel for improving. And that's the big difference there. I think. Yes, that's mm -hmm. right. I know. I like it. Mm -hmm. So here's a really interesting juxtaposition. There are two that are kind of similar. And one was really correlated with being happy with your practice. And the other was really correlated with being unhappy with your practice size. So here are the two statements. You tell me which to switch. First statement, I market my practice effectively. Second statement, it's important to know how to sell in order to have a satisfying practice. So again, the first statement, I market my practice effectively. The second statement, it's important to know how to sell in order to have a satisfying practice. One of those, and again, those were at the extreme of, of positive and negative influences. Which do you think was which? I'm going to say the one about selling is probably associated with the negative um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah people because, get really worked up about selling. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's why I'm not doing this good is because I'm not good at selling things. That's kind yeah. of predictable because yeah, yeah, who who likes selling except for Diane and me? Mm -hmm. I love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, honestly. But <laughs> I really got to understand as a teacher that that is a dirty word. It's a four-letter word for a lot of people. Yeah. And it brings up lots of ambivalent feelings. So this is the, this is the only thing with for me with selling massage. Yeah. Selling. 
uh, if we're going to use that word, which makes everybody cringe. Why uh-huh. wouldn't you want people to get well? You know, to me, it's exciting and challenging to help people understand the importance and values of themselves in getting well. So for me, that was always, I used to sell cars, so I would have to sell Plymouth Neons. And I knew <laughs> that the head gasket was going to go. The head gasket was going to go, you know, but with a selling a wellness and selling, you know, someone taking time to love themselves, get to know themselves and enjoy their stay on planet earth. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I, how could I feel guilty about that? But you got it out of that profession. Yeah, that's a big one there. It's about (laughs) framing the message tremendously. And I think that's a skill that should be taught a lot more in schools, you know, to people um, just as much about how to do your taxes, you know, and all the other stuff that gets taught in those kind of personal development business classes and everything is a lot more about messaging and framing what it is that we are actually um, in the commerce of doing. I think we'll probably get into that in the uh, event. Oh, I'm totally going to. Yeah. So yeah, if you think about it as selling, it turns out that's really correlated with having a practice you're not happy with. Everybody, I mean, almost every person that I've, I mean, I've been hiring people since 2000 and something. Yeah. And almost, I would say 99% say that word and cringe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to sell it. anything. No. It's we like, shouldn't. oh, honestly, no. we shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One more pair and then we can, because uh, there, there's a whole lot more that I'm going to, can say for my presentation, but there's one more pair I want to share with you of statements or <laughs> beliefs that really made a big difference. Here's the pair. One really correlated with a super duper practice that you love and are really satisfied with. I mean, these are the people that scored themselves at the top of that satisfaction poll. And the other really right at the bottom. Here are the statements. First one, I believe that if I do what I love, the money will follow. That's one. Yeah. The other one is, uh, let me find it. I just lost it on my list. Oh, body work is my main passion or source of fulfillment. So first one is first one is first one is what up or down? I think, oh man, I'm going to say up. Is it up? If I do what I love, the money will follow. You think that's associated with you having a just right uh, practice? It's just, it just, yeah. it's so tricky. It depends who says Yeah, like kind of like what at what stage of this process (laughs) are they are they at? You know, because there's a lot of people who 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 uh, you know buy into that (laughs) statement, so to speak, and yeah, it's somewhere they're going. Yeah, it's somewhere that they want to go and get to, uh, and they feel like they're they're they may be happy about where they are, but they're really planning to go somewhere and get get something else. It's a really complicated one. I believe that if I do what I love, the money will follow. And I was, it came up so many times in my talking with other experts that I had to pull on it. I really wanted to see where it washed out because I had my own ambivalence about it. I think there's a whole lot more than loving it and the money will follow automatically in a way. Mm -hmm. You got to do your, you know, got to put in your time or whatever it is, you know, to really be good at it and consistent, not just. Oh, that's so true. That's another I've never liked that statement anyway. I just think it's a load of crap. Okay. That was the one that correlated with having a practice that you really felt good about. Interesting. Those were the people that really had the practices that they defined as a success. Wait, say the statement one more time. I believe that if I do what I love, the money will follow. That correlates with uh, success in a practice. Mm -hmm. That's another point that I really just uh, wanted to just echo a little bit too, is it Mm -hmm. takes time. Time takes time. Being a great massage therapist takes, you gotta, you know, there is a time timeline on that. Okay. Before we get to the details of the training though, I want to just mention that other one that was at the bottom. (laughs) 
pair. <laughs> Body work is my main passion or source of fulfillment. That was correlated with being really dissatisfied with your practice. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that that one's the way that's phrased. People are saying like they're using that as the rationale for why they keep doing it because they're not making a lot of money. They're not considering themselves successful, but this is something that they feel passionate about enough to keep doing it. Um, that's kind of what I get out of that I, statement. I felt like it might be setting themselves up with really high expectations of what the business would give them. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? they, those people answered the highest uh, on, I mean, they had most more people answered the question, how are you satisfied with your practice as no, it's much too small. That's what those people said. The people that said body work is my main passion or source of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. So we can, you know, we can take that. All kinds deep. Of ways. I like but, those. It's interesting. With that, it, what's interesting is too, that uh, the correlated one was that people that did this work part-time had a much higher satisfaction score. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is, yeah. That, yeah. I, I always found some real surprises in unpacking this for myself. Yeah. Anyway, and that may be because they may not be feeling as much pressure of a full-time income only coming from that, that they're recognizing right. that mm, this is part-time income for me. And therefore I can focus more attention on yeah. the enjoyment facet of it than I can about like, I've got to make sure that rent gets paid this month. Right. So that two takeaways paid. for me, one is yeah. uh, maybe if you're not making the money, you want to get another job mm-hmm. on just the practical level, another source of income. But really the big takeaway for me is uh, really do it for love. What mm-hmm. if we just do it for love? Mm-hmm find ways to do that. Just do it. Yeah. Thank you for indulging me. That was fascinating. That was great. (laughs) All right. What else should we talk about? We should talk about the training. Uh, I want to, before, if if I can interrupt before we get there, I wanted to talk about one other thing that that came to mind about this. And I'm I'm curious to hear from both of you about this, because I think there's often um, perceptions that may exist, for example, in our field, you know, with, um, many of us who spent, you know, a lot of years doing this and have gotten to a certain level of what, you know, externally looking inward at us might be, you know, termed or seemed as success. You know, we are people who are have names that are moderately known in our profession or whatever. But just to be honest, you know, brutally honest about this and 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 recognize that many of us have some of the same challenges that a lot of other people do. And this is something, um, uh, you know, I've, I have grappled with over the years and I'd like to hear, you know, if this is something that you all have dealt with too, because there's a lot of discussion about it. We hear, you know, things bandied about, about, but that's something like imposter syndrome, you know, does that, and how does that impact our success? You know, the, uh, the sense of like, I'm not really good enough to be doing what it is that I'm doing, or, you know, seeing this particular group of clients or, you know, how am I uh, really an authority to be, you know, teaching this? You know, I'm not, I'm not where I should be. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, I, you know, personally have have grappled with that over the years at, at different times as well. I'm curious to hear if that's something that's ever been on the radar screen for either of you. Oh God, yeah. I remember my mantra still comes up, but especially maybe, you know, my first. 15, 18, my first ha- years of my first half of my professional practice life. It was that mantra of I can trust my hands because I get all I get so uh, nervous. I get so unsure or really feel like I was in over my head. I had no idea how to go forward. I just remind myself, okay, I can trust my hands because people have told me what I do feels good. 
And that seems to be pretty reliable. So let me just go there, stay with that. That's what really helped me through it. But basically the rest of me was like freaking out. Yeah. I'm in the, I mean, I'm in, enthralled in the <laughs> imposter syndrome with my, with my magazine cover and everything. You know, I feel like I've kind of just taken a little bit of a quantum leap in the industry and it, it feels great, you know? And then on the other hand, you're like, oh, you know, what in the world is happening to me? And uh, so I feel like for me, it's a, it's a daily reprieve. And I feel like I couldn't do this alone. Meaning for me as someone who views themselves as successful and getting, you know, getting where I want to be spiritually for me is what it is on a soul level, on a personal level, you know, where I can really enjoy things. You know, I had to have mentors, you know, I talked to to people regularly who are leaders in the industry, Till being one, Whitney, I love talking with you and, you know, bouncing things around. So for me, overcoming my imposter syndrome is is allowing people to love me when I can't love myself, mm-hmm. yeah, you right. know, so letting people know who I am. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's just me. That's, it took a lot of time for me to get to the place where I was willing to do that. But I definitely, I definitely can be, you know, critical and hard on myself and, you know, but I really, I do. That's when I really realized life's a we program, not an I, 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 mm-hmm. if I was meant to do it on my own, I'd have my own planet. You really, you really been diligent about that. I know with you and I about the mentoring thing, but it's, I just want to put in a plug for mentoring in general. Cause I remember somebody uh, in my early twenties, can't remember who it was said to me, you need an older person in your life that really believes in you. Feels so good. And that was such a, when I realized that is like a basic need in my emotional diet, you know, like your vitamin, whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. vitamin, older person who believes in you. And really start, started to take that in when I would encounter it, whether it be my clients or teachers or things like that. I really realized, oh, wow, okay. That's what really helps me tolerate my own imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. Yeah. It's, it's, so, yeah. it's so true. In some ways, I mean, all I don't know about you two, but all uh, I think I've done is just get more comfortable uh, feeling like an imposter. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I have to also have to admit, like, the older I get, the less I care. <laughs> right. There's that. Kind of like, yeah. I recognize there's some degree of it, but, you know, I don't care that much anymore. So, you know, yeah. I'm going to and, continue and two, to, one to of, do some things. So. One of the things that Till's implanted in my brain is, you know, I'm just, I've, I'm just really working on just being myself. You know, and, and then if this is who, if I'm showing up as who I am, the way I am and saying whatever I need to say or do what I need to do, you know, then I'm not an imposter. Mm-hmm. I'm just myself, that's you know, it. and, and what, for whatever reason, you know, that's attracting things to me or for me, you know, so really I just keep chiseling away at, I love that whole concept of like being okay with being an imposter sometimes, because, you know, then it just kind of debugs it a little it kind of does away with that right it takes away its power yeah maybe it spreads out from i can trust my hands to i can trust other parts of me too even if they're not perfect but uh, that ends up getting good results over time and maybe after almost 40 years now i'll start to really get that at some point for myself too i can trust all of me 
And I, I just want to bounce over to Whitney again, too, just because one of the things that Whitney shared with me also was one yeah. of the things that had me thinking about this, um, this uh, event was how, you know, Benny Vaughn was your mentor and how you were saying, you know, here's this guy, <laughs> he's this big man with this big yeah. personality. And he was your like, you know, he was your guy. He was your thing. He was yeah. like who you looked up to and you realized in one breath that you could not be him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You had to be you and figure out what you were mm -hmm. um, to have that feeling of success. And you had to just be Whitney Lowe, not mm -hmm. Benny Vaughn. You'd learn from Benny Vaughn, but you were Whitney Lowe. Yeah. And I think that was a real important uh, step in, you know, recognizing, you know, what, what was my mission? What was I going after? And I think that was also a place too, at which he really pushed me to excel in that direction and not trying to be a clone, but being something that was going to have, you know, a unique and different voice as well. And that was, that was a real value in his skill as a mentor as well. You guys are just great. Well, Diane, say something about the training. How, you know, how did you get, how did you decide to do this? Who's it for? What's the need? That kind of thing. Well, anytime someone asks me, you know, how did you do this? How did you do that? And I always just would go back to it's an inside job. I just, I just keep working on myself every day. I just work on myself a little more. It's not, it's not a conscious thing where I sit down and, you know, have an outline every day, but I just really am. I'm very reflective and uh, look at every experience as an opportunity to learn. You know, someone, one of my mentors said, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity. So, you know, that inside job just came to fruition by people asking me a lot of different questions. And then I thought, I remember early on in my practice, when I would work on people, sometimes they would have emotional releases. And back in the nineties, that was like, cool, more right. so than it is now. Like yeah. we were working through stuff, you know, we weren't being therapists, but you know, maybe pe more people were crying or letting go. And I remember uh, trying to help someone once I did, I commented and, and I just made it worse. So my feeling with a workshop where we're dealing with each other's insides and trying to do some personal development was we needed a doctor. So that's why I had Dr. Scott, uh, just because, you know, we're all great body workers, teachers, industry leaders, but I thought it would be really cool to have an outside perspective with someone who's trained in helping people discover their insides and sorting them out and then putting together a, a panel of experts that, that I really admire uh, through my own experience. You know, I'm sure other people, there's other people out there for other people, but all of you are my people. And I just have so much respect for all of you that it's, it's, it's really deep. So one of the things that I really like that Dr. Scott will be doing is some experiential exercises and all, you know, incorporating all these things to really just put people out there, allow them to experience themselves, allow them to hear what a personal journey for each one of these teachers has, has been like. And uh, I, I'm really excited to get into it. Some people will break off into groups uh, and, and discuss different things. So we have a lot on the agenda. And one of the things that I like about doing workshops, the jam events and and, and my workshops is I, I realize that teachers are artists huh. and they're brilliant. So a lot of you get a, a blank canvas and kind of decide for yourselves kind of what you want to bring to the table. And I think that that's actually why the workshops work as well as they do. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. And I think that lets people, you know, appreciate the different um, 
colors and um, styles and things like that, that, you know, you know, recognizing that, that, for example, in those jam events, every one of those people that you brought in, in there are just incredibly uh, talented and fascinating individuals with their practice, but people are going to, you know, connect and resonate differently with some of them than with others. And that's, you know, that's really the ideal way of, of kind of saying like, find the ice cream flavor that you like the best. And, you know, that's your flavor sort of thing. You got to really assemble your dream team, Diane. You really have been asking this question of yourself and the people that work for you and learn from you, what makes success. And then you got to pull in a bunch of us. I'm so honored to be on that team of people that can really investigate this together and go to the next step. Mm -hmm. for Sure. Again, it just seems like for me behind every massage therapist looking to, to grow their practice, looking to, to do anything in the business world, it, it starts with, you know, personal development, personal reflection, and what a better group to do it with. I can't think of a better group to do it with. Well, uh, I want to, I mean, I just, I mentioned some of the stuff I'm going to bring in. Whitney, I want to give you a chance to say anything you want to about what you're going to be bringing in. I'm really curious. Are you going to get a sense of that? What are you going to do? Yeah. So I, you know, um, am kind of interested in talking about unconventional paths um, because a lot of people don't know kind of like the backstory of how my whole business got started. It was a, a freaky, drastic accident um, of, of geographic relocation that led to me starting the, the education business and, and focusing on, you know, writing and producing content and things like that. And so uh, I want to talk a lot about um, how um, unfortunate opportunities sometimes or things that we don't plan on at all can become seeds for, for great germination yes. and to, to really follow those um, potentials for, for people. That's, that's what I'd like to, to really focus on. That's great. That's cool. How about you, Till? Well, what topic did you assign me? You had a you had something for well, me. Well, I but... like to say that you are like the silence between the notes. That so is just... that is I just gave you that sentence. You are like the silence between okay. the notes. So that's pretty that's pretty <laughs> either that's like really hard to do <laughs> as a presenter, or we'll just tune in and not say anything for the whole time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. But no, I, I was really flattered that you gave me that assignment, the silence between the notes, because there is so much about uh, my own process that is what we've been talking about here, being who I am, is who I am and, and not so much what I do. Even though my teaching ends up being a lot about what to do, I mean, it's like this technique-focused method, the stealth agenda has always been... Uh, let's actually really explore how we do this and who we are when we're doing this and who the person is we're doing this with, in a sense. So I have some pretty, uh, the, other, the other part that's really important to me, though, is to have people be able to take some really tangible, actionable things away from our time together. You know, it's philosophical, it's, it's going to be really fun in that sense. But it's also, for me, really important to be really practical. And I have a couple of secret little methods for really uh, giving people very actionable things to do that'll help stretch their own definition of success, but also what they know how to do with clients. And that gives me a, a, an idea too, to just explain that the, the, it's a seven week course. Yeah. It'll open with Dr. Scott. And then each week 
we'll have a, a teacher uh, present their views on success. And they're gonna give us three key points. And at the end of their discussion, we'll get together as a group and talk through those three key points. And then at the end of the week, all the teachers will get back together, uh, including Dr. Scott, and we'll just kind of go through, you know, any questions or, you know, a lot of the answers that we all found uh, in the seven weeks that we spend together. At the end of that seven week cycle, we all get together and debrief and compare yes. and contrast and yes. all that kind of stuff. That's great. Sounds pretty cool. And we will uh, just reiterate that we will have information in the show notes about um, how to sign up for that and uh, yeah. get more information on the Inside Job series as well. Have that information there. We'll have sign up links. Uh, let's say though, when does what are some key dates to keep in mind, Diane? January seventeenth it starts. February twenty eighth it ends. All the classes are midday, one thirty to three thirty Eastern Standard Time. And, and one thing. Is- yeah. And you're going to do an intro on the January 3rd, 2022. Is that yes, right? Yes. We're going to all get together and do a little intro on the, on the third, on uh, the massage mentor closed group on Facebook. And I'm sure cool. you'll be able to find that other places online. We'll put a link for that in the show notes too. And I need yeah. to say this because we were talking about this before we get on. This is not a business class. Your oh, business will darn. grow. Yeah. Your business will grow. You will be more successful, I believe, after you spend the seven weeks with us. Well, it's be... not technically this like you have to do these five things to succeed. Uh, you know, it's it is more of an experience based. I believe the best teachers, so some of my favorite teachers, all of you teach based on your experiences. So it really is an experience based event. Okay, that's good because I hate business. <laughs> oh, and... God. And uh, so it's not a business class, but yeah, it's a sell, it's a class about how to sell, right? Yes, we all oh, know how gosh. to sell, how to sell our practice. Yeah, <laughs> great, thanks, Till. <laughs> yeah, welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, what is it? It's an hour and a half per meeting or something? An hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. So, okay, great. We don't have firm times. A lot of people want firm times, but we don't. Well, let's give you a sense of the yeah. scope here. Yeah. So yeah. It's not 1 30 to 3 30. No, just a couple hours every Monday for seven weeks. I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. What else should we mention before we call it a day? I think we've hit on some important themes in this discussion that will be carried out in much greater detail um, in that. Uh, series and, and be a great way to explore how some of these things intersect with with our lives to to make us you know get to a place that we really feel good about what we're doing. I hope that after, at the end of the event that people feel more confident mm-hmm. in just being who they are and sharing who they are with the industry because yeah. we we need everybody. We need everybody, buddy. We need all of you. And I would also reiterate that you know in terms of getting back to the, the bigger picture kind of thing. A lot of this stuff has a lot of bearing on how successful you're going to be in achieving treatment outcomes with individual clients. I mean, we talk about success. We kind of haven't touched on that very much here, but this has a lot to do with, are you achieving the treatment outcome goals that you're wanting to do with your clients? And a lot of that has to do with, you know, personal interactions and and perceptions about what you're, what you're trying to accomplish with them. So um, that's again, why this is a whole lot more than a business class. It has a lot more to do with you know, achieving successful outcomes across a broad range of, of areas. So we could uh, call it effectiveness is an inside job. Yeah. There's so right. many, it's low. It's going to be great. Yeah, so much information cool. will be shared. 
Yeah. And then it's going to be in your institute later. It's going to be on recording if people. It will like, be. I believe we will works? also have the recording. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And it's right. it's approved for 18 CEs as well by NCBTMB. Very cool. We'll put all that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Well, what a pleasure. What yes. a pleasure what talking honor. to both of you. Yeah. What an honor. Indeed. Yeah. Thank you, Diane, for joining us today for, for these uh, interesting explorations of this topic. And um, we'd like to thank also our closing sponsor today, which is ABMP. The Thinking Practitioner podcast is supported by ABMP, the Associated Body Work and Massage Professionals. An ABMP membership gives professional practitioners like you a package, including individual liability insurance, free continuing education, and quick reference apps, legislative advocacy, and much more. ABMP CE courses, podcast, and Massage and Body Work magazine always feature expert voices and new perspectives in the profession, including Whitney and myself and uh, Diane. Thinking practitioner listeners can save on joining ABMP at abmp.com slash thinking. And we would like to say a thank you to all of our sponsors and also all of our listeners. Thank you all for hanging out with us here every couple of weeks and hope we share some things that help enrich your life as well. You can stop by our sites for links, show notes, transcripts, and any extras. Uh, you can find that stuff on my site at academyofclinicalmassage.com. And Till, where can they find that for you? my site advanced-trainings.com if you have questions or things you'd like to hear us talk about just email us at info at thethinkingpractitioner.com or look for us on social media just under um well mine's under my name till luca how about yours whitney and also under my name at whitney low you can find us over there as well and if you will also try to take a moment or so to rate us on apple podcasts as it does help other people find the show you can also hear us on various other platforms such as Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you happen to listen. Please do share the word and tell a friend. And of course, if you're unable to find us in any of those locations, you can dial star TTP on your high velocity nuclear powered smartphone and you can hear us there as well. So thank you all again one more time for another episode of Thinking Practitioner. Great to hang out with you both today. So good. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. Thank you, Whitney. See All right. you all later.